The Revelations of St. Gertrude, written by herself. Continuing Chapter 14 That it's tell me, O God of mercy, that when anything presented itself to my mind, which sought to turn my thoughts to the right as to joy or hope, to the left as to fear, grief, or anger, that I should threaten them with the rod of fear, and that afterwards, by the restraining of my senses, I should immolate this affection like a newborn lamb by the fire of my heart, and offer it to thee as a feast. But alas, how many times when the opportunity has come, have I not snatched, as if from thy very lips, by a malicious lightness, or by a passionate word or action, that which I had given thee, and presented it to thine enemy. And even then thou hast looked on me with tenderness and sweetness, as if thou hadst not perceived my infidelity, and thereby thou hast often excited transports of sweetness in my soul, which have served to make me correct and watch over myself far more than the threats and fear of thine anger. Chapter 14 Different Exercises by Which the Soul is Purified The Sunday before Lent, that it's make me understand by the words of the introit, O only object of my love, that being wearied by the persecutions and outrages which so many persons inflict on thee, that it's ask for my heart that thou mightest repose therein. Therefore, each time that I entered therein during these three days, thou didst appear to me as if lying down there like a person exhausted by extreme languor. And I could find no greater solace of thy woe during this period than to pray, keep silence, and perform other exercises of mortification in thine honor for the conversion of worldly persons. Thy grace makes me know further, by frequent revelations, that the soul, dwelling in the body of frail humanity, is darkened in the same manner as a person who stands in a narrow space and is surrounded on all sides by a vapor exhaling from a cooking vessel. When the body is afflicted by any evil, the part which suffers is to the soul as a beam from the sun which enlightens the air and from which it receives marvelous clearness. Therefore, the heavier one's sufferings are, the purer is the light the soul receives. But afflictions and trials of the heart in humility, patience, and other virtues impart the greatest luster to the soul, as they touch it more keenly, efficaciously, and intimately. Works of charity, above all, give it an admirable serenity and brightness. Thanks be to thee, O lover of men, that thou hast sometimes led me by this means to patience. But alas, how seldom have I listened to thy counsels, or rather, how seldom have I done what I ought to have done. O Lord, thou knowest the grief, the shame, and the dejection of my soul for this. Thou knowest the desire of my heart to apply to thee for my deficiencies. On another occasion, when I was about to communicate at Mass, being filled abundantly with thy spirit, and seeking within myself what I could do in return for so great a favor, that it's proposed to me, as a master full of wisdom, these words of the Apostle, 
for I wished myself to be an anathema from Christ for my brethren. Although thou hadst taught me before that the soul had its abode in the heart, thou didst make me know also that it resided in the brain. And this truth, of which I had been ignorant until then, was confirmed to me afterwards by a testimony of Scripture. Thou didst teach me also that the great perfection of a soul consists in relinquishing the pleasure which it finds in the affections in order to occupy itself for the love of thee in watching over its exterior senses and in laboring in works of charity for the salvation of its neighbor. Chapter 15 How agreeable works of charity are to God and also meditations on holy things. The day of thine adorable nativity I took thee from the crib wrapped in swathing clothes like a little infant newly born and placed thee in my heart that I might make a bouquet of myrrh of all thy infant sufferings and incommodities to place it in my breast that I might drink therefrom a libation of divine sweetness. But as I considered this the greatest favor thou couldst bestow on me Thou, who, when we least expect it, accompaniest thy first graces by others yet more precious, didst will to diversify the abundance of thy graces in this manner. For on the same day, the following year, I received thee coming forth from the virginal womb of thy mother as a feeble and delicate infant, and carried thee for some time in my arms, it seemed to me that the compassion which I had shown before the feast by some special prayers for a person in affliction had obtained this favor for me. But alas, after having obtained it, I did not receive it with the devotion I ought. I know not if it were an act of thy justice or a chastisement of my negligence. I hope nevertheless that thy justice, by the intermission of thy mercy, has so ordered it to make me know more clearly the greatness of my unworthiness and to make me less negligent in putting away idle thoughts. But it is for thee, O Lord, to say to which of these causes I ought to refer this effect. Nevertheless, as I gathered up all my strength to make a last effort to gain thee by my loving caresses, I perceived that all this was of no avail until I commenced praying for sinners, for the souls in purgatory, or for those who were in any affliction, when I knew that I was heard. But still more one evening, when I formed the resolution of commencing the prayers which I say for the deceased, call offering them for those most beloved by thee, instead of commencing as I had been accustomed to do by praying for those related to me. And it seemed to me then that this change was very pleasing to thee. I believe also that it pleased thee much when I chanted as loud as I could and at each note fixed my intention on thee as one fixes his eye on his book who has not yet learned the chant perfectly. Still, I know that I have been negligent in this and in other things which concern thy glory. And I confess it to thee, the Father of mercy, 
asking pardon through the bitter passion of thy blameless Son, Jesus Christ, in whom thou didst declare thyself well pleased. Through him I ask the grace of amendment and atonement for my negligences. Chapter 16 Of the inconceivable tenderness which the most glorious virgin has for us. On the feast of the purification at the procession, when thou, our salvation and redemption, wert born as an offering to the temple, thy virgin mother told me to give her her child, the blessed fruit of her womb. She demanded thee again from me with a severe countenance, as if she was not pleased with my care of thee, who art the honor and joy of her spotless virginity. Then, remembering the grace which she had received from thee of being the hope of the despairing and the reconciler of sinners, I exclaimed, O Mother of mercy, was not the fount of forgiveness given to thee as thy son, that thou mightest obtain all grace for us from him, and that the multitude of our sins and our deficiencies might be covered by thy abundant charity? Then she looked on me once more, with a serene and loving countenance, so that I might know that if my fault obliged her to appear severe to me, she was nevertheless full of the most consummate tenderness and penetrated to her inmost heart with the most sweet and divine charity. I soon beheld the tokens of it, since a few words removed her anger and her sweetness shone forth resplendently. May this abundant tenderness of thy mother intercede with thee and obtain pardon for my faults. I know by a testimony clearer than light itself that no obstacle could have arrested the torrent of thy sweetness when on the feast of thy nativity the preceding year that it's grant me a yet greater favor though in a similar manner as if I had merited it by the fervor of my zeal the year before when far from meriting a new grace I was justly worthy of chastisement for having lost the first. For when these words of the gospel were read, she brought forth her firstborn son. Thy spotless mother presented thee to me with her pure hands. And thou, O amiable infant, didst endeavor to embrace me with all thy might. I, though utterly unworthy, received thee. And thou didst put thy little arms around my neck, exhaling on me from thy mouth a breath so full of sweetness that I was nourished and abundantly satisfied therewith. For this, O Lord my God, may my soul and all that is within me adore and bless thy holy name. When thy blessed mother sought to wrap thee in thy swathing clothes, I desired to be wrapped up in them also for fear of losing the company of one whose smiles and favors exceed the sweetness of honey and the honeycomb. Thou wert then clothed in the fairest robe of innocence and cinctured with the golden cincture of love. And I felt that if I wished to be so clothed and so cinctured, I should seek to have more purity of heart and to abound more in love. This has been taken from The Revelations of St. Gertrude, Part 2 of The Life and Revelations of St. Gertrude the Great, 
first published in English in 1862. This work is available through TAN Books. For more information, call 1-800-437-5876 or find them on the web at www.tanbooks.com. This work is in the public domain.